So welcome to episode 26 of season 2 of Rebel Yell, the uh, podcast of Rebel Radio, sponsored by the CCFC Exiles. My name is Kevin Galvin. You're probably well used to me at this point over the course of the season, but uh, I'm joined by a very special guest two days before I'm due to head away to the other another continent, the other side of the world. I was dying to get uh, this guest on for the, for the year. Um, between one thing and the other, things going on, and uh, he's been extremely busy with however many things he's doing, all of which will come to over the course of the interview. But uh, Darren Murphy, former Cork City, uh, former Cove Rambler, Stevenage, Woking, uh, you know, the list goes on, Port Vale. Um, we, we get into all that. Darren, thanks so much for, for joining us in the podcast anyway, first of all. And no I, I suppose we'll, we'll, we'll take it from the start. Um, a native of Carrick Navarre, um, but you know all the stats say that you're a Cove Ramblers player, or that you started with Ramblers. But w- w- what was your schoolboy club? So my very first schoolboy club was Rockmount. Um, I didn't start playing till like under 11s, which was quite late. I was actually supposed to go to a club called Waterloo. Yeah, but it was a bit of a kind of thing started. I was training with Waterloo, and then I. Went up to friendly in Rockmount. Waterloo was supposed to play in Rockmount, right. and then no, the game was called off, but no one had told me. And right. basically, my dad knew the Rockmount manager, and I fell in with training with them. And they were like straight away gave me put a form in his face, like sign for us, like right. so. That was the the first the first little saga of me. Uh, you know, like I'm gone from you lads. Yeah, yeah. Club, you that know, was so, the first club change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, <laughs> early doors get it in because. <laughs> Look, football it is cutthroat at times, and you know it, it does happen. But yeah, so I was with uh, Rockmount at the time, then under 11s, um, then played till something like on under 12s or something like that. And we played Blarney Street in um, in a game, and they were the best club in Cork at the time. So played against them, played. Obviously, must have played well because again, my dad knew the Blarney Street manager, and he was straight over like. And I don't know actually, did my dad know all these people? Did they approach him? So late, I know to ask him. But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so Blarney Street then approached me, and then I was kind of like, you know, jump onto the next ladder. Yeah. But uh, that that time, you never got a few few quid for it. My, my old man would have been delighted. It's, uh, it seems strange that moving from Rockmount would be a jump up the ladder. Normally, Rockmount are kind of yeah. be a club that would produce a lot of guys that would go. There, I suppose it's like any kind of schoolboy club. You know, they they were they were weak. My age, mm. like they were in. Well, we weren't weak. We were a good side, but we were in the first division. Oh, yeah. And then Blarney Street were in the Premier Division, and they were a better side. And uh, yeah, so I I went there then, and then kind of. St- it was two or three years probably with Blarney Street and then they kind of fell apart. Uh, Royal Donovan played in that team actually. Um, uh, so they were they, they were the best side in Cork at the time. We should have won the National Cup with that team but again there was kind of some politics going on or something. I, I don't really know. We just got on with the football That being that young. Yeah. Do you know what? Nothing to do with it or anything but um. I went up to New Farm then, which was up in Ocnini. I don't, I don't know if they have a club anymore. I'm not too sure, but yeah, I think a couple of people listening might remember playing New Farm. Yeah. Sorry, that pitch is something yeah, that you don't was, forget when you go up and play. You know, it was it was good. I I liked I liked playing there. To be honest, I liked I liked those kind of hostile situations and yeah. and again, it wasn't that hostile, but what it probably was when you were a kid. You know, yeah. you, you know, like um, 
but it was good to kind of get, you know give you a bit of bite and that like you know and, yeah but it's it was the good times of football you know when you're you're young and the only thing I would say is that when we were underage is that I never really trained right. I never really trained with any of the clubs like small but kind of with rock bump but I suppose we were kind of doing GA and then stuff like that I was still playing GA up until under 16 with Karen Navarre and you know there was Emma Kelly teams and Cork teams and stuff like that as well that side um, so yeah so first real kind of choice then I suppose you kind of get your choice Cork City Cove kind of for the under 16s um, or under 17s I don't know when it was at the time uh, so I went to Cove because most of the new farm lads were going to Cove and was that literally the only reason why you went because I'd say a lot of people yeah, were well, surprised but at the time that you know, you know so, you're a you're a city boy. Like I tell you what, there was a a guy called John Lawler who was manager of Cove at the time, hmm. and to be honest, he he called up, he put time into me, met my my dad and me, did it the right way, you know. And Cork City basically were just like you know they 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 were giving you the chance to come out, basically come hmm. out with us. Do you know what I mean? Kind of yeah. sitting back like it's here if you want it, kid. Yeah. Like you know, like and to be honest, I I. If I was meeting a player as well, I try I try kind of go meet them or kind of find out their situation anyway yeah, or something. Yeah. You, know? you I mean you want to feel like yeah. you you're wanted by a club, I suppose. Yeah, you would feel like you're wanted, but again, do you know there's 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 other stuff to be talked about, not just not just training times mm. and games. It's what they want from you and what they like, you know, what opportunities, uh, what way they see in the team or what way they want you to play. Do you know that's mm. that that matters an awful lot. And that's one thing I would say to players even be careful clubs that you're choosing and managers that you're choosing because at the end of the day not everyone gets along you yeah. know and if it's not right for you it's not right yeah if sorry goes on the the structure of the, the coach and the manager as well what way they want to play so yeah well, were you always a kind of a tough tackling midfielder or was that you did you establish yourself in that position earlier yeah so I suppose when when I was younger I was I would have been kind of skillful and and you know quick and mm. good with the ball and but then as you kind of grow grow older and you kind of come up against young fellas who are as good as you and like I was never really kind of a footballer and then I I probably became more of a footballer towards the end of my career mm. because of all the training mm. and I kind of we didn't get training we didn't get coaching it wasn't there you know the facilities weren't there the time and effort probably fellas you know. Like we're working and mm. it was just a match kind of at the weekend and yeah. wasn't as much as it is now professional. I mean, there was no coaching badges, I imagine, around and stuff like. So, like, I did what I could. I like, you know, I was I was just enjoying the football and watching it on TV and you know, Man United, my favorite team, watching them each week. Can't wait then for the game at the weekend, and that's kind of what it was. It was, it, it, was, it was, it was never like, I suppose tough tackling midfielder kind of came into it then um, when I got older mm. you know I was kind of I, I realised that I was quick I was powerful and I'd pace and you know I couldn't nail a fella in a challenge so I used it to my advantage and I actually liked doing it you know yeah. which was a good thing and then you, you as I was getting older Roy Keane was starting to come in the United team and you see the way he played and yeah. You know, kind of stems onto you then, like yeah, it was a good, it was a good kind of I suppose it was a good example to follow as well. And uh, did, did that kind of come from as you say you played GA or Carrick Navarra, you kind of played Emma Killy. 
you probably at a time probably thought that was going to be the path you were going to go down more than soccer. So was that one of the reasons, the kind of physicality of playing GA? Was that one of the reasons that kind of helped you? You know, when you came up against me, guys who weren't used yeah. to that. For me, I, I really enjoyed playing GA up until uh, it started kind of going with the Cove uh, soccer kind of situation, hmm. and then I kind of I gave up GA. To be honest. I always wanted to be a footballer and I always knew in my head I was going to be a footballer and I I loved it. I couldn't concentrate in school. All I was waiting for was the lunch break, go and play. You know, I used to be in school and I used to be picking my team at, <laughs> at the weekend and stuff like that. Like if I got a football game there, you used to have sensible soccer or whatever or mm. something like that, type in all the names. I used to type in all the lads' names and my names and just pretend to be us as a team and yeah. you know I, I was football mad like and uh, I really I did really enjoy it and I think that would be one bit of advice is to like young fellas is just constantly enjoy it like and then and it does like I know I said I had no coaching the coaching's coming into it mm. now but I don't know like is it taking the fun and enjoyment out of football as well mm. you know it's sometimes it's getting too serious. Like I go to games and I see like under 14 managers and, you know, screaming at fellas and not like, not even good information at times, yeah. you know, and I'm looking at them sometimes and I'm thinking maybe we had a good there. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, because, I suppose yeah. it's a balancing act really, isn't it? Yeah. So it's hard to get right. But look, football is just like, look at the, the, the international team at the moment. And, yeah. everyone has an opinion on it but it's it's a different television story when you're in there yeah you know, absolutely so. yeah and I, I suppose as you say you came from no kind of a background or no training then you went into Cove where I suppose it was like training what two or three times a week you had guys who were kind of you know who were established coaches who knew their stuff how did you find that kind of transition did you I, I presume you thrived in the kind of professionalism of it the fact that you it was football kind of constantly yeah, no, it was starting to get that bit serious, you know, and you could realise um, John was a very, very good coach, like, um, brought me on an awful lot, you know, taking me aside and telling me to do this and kind of that, like, and we we did re we we did well enough actually with, with that team. We were a good side. We were, we were better than Cork City's team at the time, mm. um, and you know, like, there was a couple of really, really good players, um, with Cove. And then I think it was it was we had we had like Hilly at the time took over Cove actually, mm. and he kind of involved the sixteens and seventeens in games, so we we're getting that then as well. Yeah, and it, it was just it was just a good place to be at the time. We were train we had, they had a big training ground ground uh, down the road from the stadium, and we were kind of all Hilly was bringing in everyone kind of trains together, and then we um we used we played the seniors in the game. And uh, basically, he took myself, Owen Connell, and, and James Cummins out of the 17s, you know, from the f into the first team squad. First team, yeah. so, so, how long were you in the club by the time that had happened? Like, do you know what I tell you? I can't. I can't even remember. I was just trying, when I was just talking there. I I cannot remember. Um, I don't know. Was it like it must have been soon enough? Because I made my League of Ireland debut at 16. Yeah, exactly. So I was still 16. So we were under 17s. So it must have been kind of soon enough, isn't it? Mm. I, the, the, the only thing I remember kind of from that is the training session. I was marking Jason Gabia and I was playing centre half. 
And, Jason uh, Via Senior, obviously, for the some of those. Jason Via Senior, yeah. <laughs> and uh, young fella's tearing it up now. Yeah, he like I was aggressive, like, and he knew it, and he kind of, you know, I'd say he was the one that recommended me to Hilly, like he was saying, yeah. he got an awful time off that young fella, you know, and it was a good thing, like, yeah. and uh, yeah, so I, I remember then we got called up to a game, and anyway, so we were playing Waterford away, and like Hilly had uh, you know, all everyone has to wear a suit right. for the game, and like. I, I think Owen O'Connell actually probably had a suit but me and James Collins we had no suits like we never yeah. wore a suit for anything like probably the last suit we wore was for a confirmation so me and James both turned up like in our dad's suits like <laughs> I was going to say he should yeah. turn up in school uniform like yeah, we, we got absolutely caned. <laughs> I, I'd say, like, the older lads, you'd yell me, Riley, uh, was it Cave Silly? They went to town on us, but rightly so as well. Yeah, I yeah. But I mean, that must have been like, bizarre almost in a way where you're coming from a position of playing, or you're playing with teams with barely training, and then a couple of months or, you know, whatever later, you're playing in a first division game against, against Waterford in the League of Ireland game. Just, however yeah. many paying people in the gate like were was that something that you were aware of at the time or was it just a case of like oh well of course like this is kind of what's happening and I just got to deal with it like yeah I just, again it's, it's kind of look foggy to remember I probably uh, like getting into the first team squad was great and then you know but I just, oh, I, like I did I, I made my I made my debut against Shamrock Rovers yeah. up in Rovers in Tiger Park in, I think yeah. in a cup game do you know what I loved loved playing at Tiger Park I don't know what the story was maybe it's because I did make I always had a great game there again mentality thing with footballers yeah. but uh, yeah it, it was surreal like you know but I kind of really I really took the chance mm. and you know really stepped up my gear like I probably like I was never on Cork schoolboy teams growing up, or you know, I I knew I was a good player, but I was my I was still behind the rest. Yeah. Like there was much better players around, but I think the fact that like got into the senior setup and I was big and strong, and you know, it suited me. And I like I I had I had an unbelievable season then when I was playing, yeah. which was really good for my confidence. Um, and I suppose you talk about the training. I actually. Kind of, I think it was the pre-season the next year we were up in like Mary's Park or something and I got got tackled and I did cartilage on my knee and then from kind of then on I had problems with yeah. injuries and stuff and it's that cartilage probably got rested then it stemmed and I did my cruciate then probably the, uh, a year or two later or something like that and I think the training the training was good alright but it's still nothing compared to the training they have they have no like strength and yeah. conditioning and stuff like that for your legs and I I I I'm a massive believer in uh the strength and conditioning for the legs and I yeah. think that's a huge difference. Yeah, it does make a massive difference. I mean I suppose I kinda of want to get onto the injuries in a bit because I mean just I don't even want to try this to you probably don't even remember every single one you had like at oh, this stage. You know but... like I'll tell I'll tell you a good story then about the injuries. So I went this is further on obviously but Stevenage, uh, Graham Wesley left for Preston and then he came back to Stevenage. And basically, I was kind of, I was after leaving for Port Vale, got released there in January because injuries, then went up to Macclesfield. Mm. I was only in Macclesfield, I'd say, about two weeks. And I pulled my calf and I said, Look, here, lads, have the contract back. I'm gone. Yeah. I'm going home. Like, <laughs> like see yeah. you later. And then I kind of, 
came back then in the summer and I was going to go to Macclesfield again right. on there was a new manager there and I was just going to go up there and do a bit of training and see how we get on or whatever and then Wesley was after returning to Stevenage in the meantime and he brought me down there so we bought it bought him for a meeting and he was like you know I, I can't sign you obviously I need to, to, yeah. to show you so he had like a sheet of paper and there was a, a man drawn in it and I, like I don't know it was it was printed on so I don't know what it was so he said how do I sell this to the chairman so we have Darren Murphy here and he drew circles around the, the injuries of yeah. the man what else did you do so I two shoulders so I have my uh, cruciate cartilage broken leg you know I, I tore my quad both yeah. quads hamstrings sure there was no man left like, yeah it was like a Michelin man it was yeah. just covered in circles yeah. Yeah. so uh, yeah but look the way the way it went as well, like the way I played. And to be honest, if I if I'm looking back now, I did my strength and conditioning and training and stuff too late in my career. Yeah. Do you know, like I, I was always relying on my bare um just raw kind of uh, athletic yeah. uh, ability and that, that that just wasn't it wasn't good enough for there because there was a huge step from even Cork City at the time yeah. to Stevenage. Um even though I took it and I did it, but I think I think it took a toll on my body. Like yeah, and actually, I mean, anybody that that takes that that step up, I mean, even going back to that that cove thing, going into senior football, the difference between playing, as I say, without coaching or you know just on your body to go and playing League of Ireland games. I mean, I I can't imagine even myself. I mean, even playing on senior league, the concentration that's required. The it's such a step up from what I was so used to playing. So I can't imagine what it is to go then and play League of Ireland National League against guys who are, you know, might be the best players in the country. But they're certainly really good pros. And I've been shown to, like, you know, even so many guys have gone over to England and made a very good career out of themselves. It shows you that they're, they're good football players. So, I mean, when you went when you went into that, that kind of Cove senior team, because it happens, did you have any doubts? Because, you know, you, know, you said... You know, you never made Cork teams, so you never really had that kind of, you know, that, I wouldn't say confidence, but you know, those guys they they think, oh well, this is automatic. Was that was did you kind of was there that moment where you kind of thought, you know, I suppose you had such a good first season, you probably thought I definitely belong here, and there's no reason why I shouldn't be playing. Yeah, no, I'm I'm talking. No, I never really said that until now, and looking back, hmm. like that didn't that didn't bother me one 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 bit, like Cork teams or Ireland teams or anything like that. And when I did step into Cove Seniors, you know, I was confident. I was mm. cocky, young fella. You know, I had all the confidence in the world. Probably too much confidence mm. at times. Yeah. Like, you know. Okay. Um, but no, I, I I was just enjoying my football. Enjoying playing, you know. And Hilly was very good coaching. You know, he was always praising you. And then, you know, letting you know. He, he put you kind of back in your box as well at times, which you needed. Yeah, like, of course. Um, so... Yeah, I, as I said, it didn't bother me at the time. Like I, I never really thought anything. I, I probably thought at times I was probably too, too good as well. Then for for, you know, younger teams like if my attitude as well. If I look back, my attitude towards playing and becoming a footballer was phenomenal. Like you know, and, mm. and there was nothing stopping me going where, where I was going, yeah. and that got to me to where I was. Mm. But then the attitude off the pitch was uh, if if I could go back and change something and and give a voice to young fellas, my attitude off the pitch was terrible, and I probably 
if if there was you know extra training and stuff around at the time, I probably wouldn't have been doing it. Like you know, yeah. and that's one thing. If I regret regret anything, is like you know, I see I see the young fellas now, and you know they don't drink and mm. they don't um they they do their gym work, and there's a lot more gyms and there's a lot yeah. more good influences around and stuff like that. Whereas I I was the opposite way. I was I was I was having a good game, then going out and you know going on the yeah, piss and stuff like that, and. Then it then it stemmed into like I probably I was first team and I was sixteen. I could have still played seventeen and eighteens, played mm. extra games and you know, twenty ones and stuff like that. Yeah. And I kind of was like, nah, I'm too good for the twenty ones there now. I'm a senior, do you know that kind of yeah. stupid attitude yeah. and even the Monster Senior League team, I remember I remember uh John Finnegan was trying to get me up to a game there at one stage up in I don't know, Limerick or something. I, I thought I was too good for that then as well. But yeah. I, I, I actually I think I actually went I think I might, I don't know, did I get sent off? I'm not sure, but again, shit attitude, which you look to change. Like, Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, didn't really stop you on that kind of projection. You played three great seasons for Cove. I know you had your injuries, but you know, you were still signed by City. How did that come about? I mean, you joined Cove originally because you didn't feel like City were putting that much, but investing much time into you. So kind of what made that decision for you to then go on and join? Was it just Premier Division football? So then, kind of again, kind of bad attitude at the time. Like things probably weren't going my way and stuff like that. And I kind of uh, left. I left Cove. I'd say kind of in a bad way. It was like you know I was kind of a bit sulk and a small bit. I, I don't know what it was over again. I can't remember. I think I, I think I had a row with Hendo or, or over something stupid or something. Anyway, and uh, he was probably trying to discipline me, which is probably the best thing. Yeah. Do you know? Which me being a manager, I don't look back and be like. He was dead right to probably do it, you know. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what it was over, but um, sure. I don't know. Does Hendo even remember? He probably does. But he yeah. probably bring it up for more. Yeah, I have to ask him. <laughs> but so I was kind of I, I went to Nottingham Forest as well on trial, but I uh, I was at Sunderland as well on trial. Um, and to be honest, I remember, I remember having a conversation with Mick McCarthy in Sunderland, and I know I did really well in the mm. training ground. And I had a conversation with him and he was asking me about what's going on. And when I was going over there, my agent, I, like he drove me up there. And again, agent, like I should have had my dad. Like, yeah. So the agent is telling me, you know, this is this is the way it needs to work and we need to get this much uh, and cover looking for this much and stuff like that. The stupid stuff to tell yeah, like a 17-year-old, 18-year-old yeah, kid. Yeah. I know for a fact that I was talking absolute shit to Mick McCarthy because yeah. he stopped me in the hallway and he had a conversation with me and he was asking me what my situation was and I was probably giving him all this crap that they want this much for me and you know stuff like that and I, telling him the the crap that the agent was telling me yeah. and he probably turned around and said who's this idiot yeah, Do you know yeah. he's a good player but Sorry, he's going to be a problem like yeah. so that probably killed me there so yeah, because I, I did it, like, we played a game and stuff like that, and he was, like, you know, he was well delighted, and they were kind of asking who the Irish lad was and stuff, and, you know, like, these these kind of things you look back and you say, I do remember when I went to Sunderland, actually, Colin Healy was there at the time, yeah. he was injured at the time, and he heard I was over there, and he came straight to me, and he was like, you know, give me a, a shoulder, he probably doesn't even remember that, but, you know, he was, he was a good influence on me throughout my career, actually, because yeah. it was another time, Later on, down he came. He came. He used to come back to Cork training with um, Alan Carey, 
or, or he, was, he came training with Alan Carey at the time mm. at Cove. And I remember we were we were playing with the seniors, like, and I probably thought it was, you know, this and that. And this was before I went on trial. And uh, he uh, he came in the middle of the park and he nailed me a good few times in training. Like, yeah, I couldn't get near him. I couldn't believe how strong he was, you know. He looked like a lack, like, you know, and I was like, you know, yeah. as well as I but he was, he was so strong and he let you know it as well. Yeah. But me thinking like, I was thinking there, do you know what? I actually already had been over the forest before and I was thinking, I was thinking like I was over there and I was, I was afraid to like, you know, nail fellas or challenge yeah. and trying to kind of play football and be nice. I was thinking in my head ever since then, I was like, you know, next time I'm going anywhere, to, that's the first thing I'm going to do to show my impression is to like, Nail fellas, and it worked. Then you know, like yeah. when I remember we went over, I went over to Stevenage at the time, and I was supposed to go to two or three clubs because Cork City had broken up or whatever at the time the mm. the the time they went bust or whatever, and then um, I was supposed to go to yeah. So I started at Stevenage, like in the, the first couple of trainings, like he loved, like the manager loved it, and he he basically said, I don't want you going anywhere else and stuff, and mm. he kind of worked something out. Then we went into the session, I went through fellas, like. So, yeah, you know, like, just goes to show if I didn't maybe be a timid guy, just goes to show something, something like small like that can make a difference in your career. Like, yeah, and is it like, I mean, it's that's the kind of difficulty, isn't it? When you, especially when you get into professional football, it's about kind of staying true to yourself in terms of, like you said there with that Mick McCarthy thing where you got this idea into your head is this is what you need to say and you know this is what you're being fed by this guy and you're kind of saying right well I'm you know this I'm going this is kind of professional football and this is obviously how it works when you look back at it and you say I probably should have done that you know I probably should have had my dad I probably should have just done what came naturally to me but then there's a certain amount of you know having to force yourself to almost typecast yourself to get uh, 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 you know a move somewhere like you say you ended up being that kind of physical dominating player um, and that was a conscious decision to do that. So is it difficult to kind of balance, like kind of staying true to even in a, just a football in a sense, kind of the player that you are, and then also trying to provide whatever the team wants you to do as well? Like, is that a difficult balancing act? You know, just a good point actually, because that. So you're going from like schoolboy football, enjoying it and stuff like that, and you're talking about breaking in 16, 17s, kind of still enjoying it, and then you get into your kind of your your first team senior mm-hmm. squads and. You know, there's different coaches and managers, and they want you to do a job. Yeah, this is kind of the difficult thing for players. I, I, I think because not every coach and manager. There's only eleven places, you know, and you're you're looking at, as you said, tight casting players. Like I probably first came into the city squad, and I was an attacking midfielder. Yeah, and it was brilliant because it was Roy and Flinney, and I had power, I had pace, and I was able to slip them, and they were always making great runs, and that kind of made me look good then as yeah. well. You know, yeah. And then later on, then, you know, I went to Stevenage and they wanted me to sit in front of the back four and basically, you know, kind of break play up and yeah. they saw me as that kind of midfielder. And then, like, you know, I like I did enjoy it. I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy it, but kind of changed me as a player. And yeah. I, I really, the, be, the best professional football that I played was at Cork City that time. Um, when I was that attacking midfielder, no fear, you know, getting forward, doing really growing in my in mm. my game, and then as you said, you kind of the fear starts to come in. Then you like you know you if you lose the ball in the, in the UK and you yeah. know the manager straight down your throat, and then you're like 
you're out the 11 yeah or or you do what like in professional football you, there's there's a pan of 25 yeah. you know if 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 not more mm. and basically you might get one chance and that's it. and you got you it's it is a difficult world like it's, and it gets it gets even worse at the top you look at some some team some teams there a lot of Irish lads go over there like they're delighted with the move to these clubs or whatever mm. and then they realize when they get there it's a different it's a different game like a lot yeah. of fellas do you know what you have to be strong mentally strong yeah mentally I mean there's lots of fellas in, in with the talent like everyone everyone you know asks what's what's like how is there such a low percentage of guys who make it and mm. you know there is that stroke of luck at times and again being hungry and you know trying to be positive your attitude but like you have to be picking up on things as well as a player and I think I think that that's something that comes naturally I mean I just spoke to lads the other day when I was uh, speaking to them and I was saying what you need to be looking out for is like just one one small pitcher in a game there could be thousands of pitchers in a game mm. so if you played out your let's uh, just say for a winger and you're left back like you have to be thinking I've played at him in training he touches with the outside of his foot mm. like so if I pass him that ball and I make my run I'm going to be out of the game yeah. whereas if I pass him the ball I wait the three or four seconds for him to take his touch then I make my run yeah. and I'm in yeah, absolutely. Oh, and that's, that is just one small, tiny, three, four second movement in a yeah. game that you have to be thinking constantly. And that's, that's for me, like, it, it happens and it, it happens naturally. And I think it's your brain, it's your football brain. And if I was, like, you know, it's, it's, it's just something I, I don't think you can coach that stuff. Like, yeah, you can't. Absolutely. Like, yeah, it's just inherently in, yeah. in guys. And, uh, you talked there, you're saying about the city things. I was kind of your best, almost your best period as a professional footballer. How much do you remember of that kind of period? Because I, even I remember you being signed, and I remember you coming in and under the guise of being an attacking midfielder. And I think Leon McSweeney came in around the same time, and there was this kind of real kind of attacking threat. Um, like, how did you find playing in that team? And how did you find, like, playing with Flinney? You said it was just an absolute joy to play with Flinney and Flinney. Oh, I loved it playing. Like, we, we were a really attacking, good, good side, like, you know, and it was free flow football. And I did, I did, I enjoyed it up until points. Um, was it Rico? Col, was it Rico, uh, Rico it? yeah. Till Colin and uh, Garrett were signed. And look, this, that's football then again, like, you know, mm. sign Colin, Healy and Garrett, Farley and, like, I think I was player of the month at the time and dropped then, you know, mm, it was like yeah. this young fella, like, where's the, like, there's, you know, Richardson again, like, I mean, he's a good manager obviously at the time, but I have no respect for him for doing that to me mm. that time, you know, and it's, I, I'm looking back and I'm saying, why, like, the two lads coming in, yeah, fair enough, but like, let them blend their way in. You, you, you've a 17, 18 year old kid there tearing up the league. You yeah. could be, you could be making money for the club. I think the club. But did he did he come and talk to you about it at all, or was it just literally like team up and? Uh... No, he came to me and he said he he pulled me aside there one day actually, and he said uh, when he when he had dropped me, he he dropped me, said nothing to me, and yeah. then the next time he was like, he said, uh, you know, you um, 
you're kind of doing well there and you've come in and done well and stuff and you're kind of where where Admir Softage is now at the moment and he was there last year and you're kind of you, you need to kind of you know keep with Admirers and like and I, I I was I was like you know I I I just thought like that was the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my life <laughs> well, yeah. for him to say like yeah. to me yeah. you know and me and Admir were totally different players yeah you know two totally different players Admir was a kind of midfielder holding yeah, box he, box. like box to box yeah and like you know he he had great awareness and stuff like that. And I, I wasn't like that. I wasn't a, I wasn't a midfielder that would get the ball off the back four and yeah. play out. Yeah. I was a midfielder that would get the ball back and get us forward straight yeah. away, or going, you give it to me and I'd be running with it. Yeah. You know. So I was like, I was like thinking back and I know when you're saying like, like I know a lot of people have a lot of respect for Damien Richardson, and I, I, I still do as well as a manager. He was a great manager. Yeah. But again. That's going to be something that I look back and say that 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 time and you know that kind of hit me hard as well confidence yeah because I remember I actually got I, I got bought on in one game I I don't know was it that game or the next game I was just awful like you know yeah couldn't control the ball properly and it took me time to recuperate and look I'm mentally strong and I there and fucking had to pick myself up again. But that, that's kind of you're talking about that mental strength that was was probably the first time in your career almost where you got a real big kind of setback in that way and that's probably the first real learning curve you had in terms of that mental that mental toughness yeah and again it's it's a big um it's a big learning in football alone because from the, <clears throat> from the outside like it looks like you're just a great job training every day with a football and Get to kick a ball, a ball around and get paid for it, and you know, look, I'm not gonna lie, it is a great job. Like, but mm. there's massive pressures, and you know, like as, <clears throat> as I said, in you're competing for places and having that pressure every day to impress is it's 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 not for some people. Yeah. You know, it, it's not like I suppose you have the pressure as well of I suppose it's a bit further down your career when injuries start to take hold but you the pressure of kind of being a breadwinner and having to you know this is the way you support yourself this is how you pay for you know you go and let's say you play five a side and you break your wrist or whatever you go into work the next day you're hip to work whereas you go into football you're you know you're trying to search for a contract something happens to you and all of a sudden that's your contract gone and that's you're going out then looking for other forms of income and did you find that difficult that kind of side of being a professional footballer that kind of you know, having to kind of earn a uh, earn living out of it. Yeah, it kind of like it's 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 strange because yeah, it is. It's you're living at the end of the day, and it does control you in a way. Yeah. Again, as a player, so when I went to Stephen at that time, you know they wanted me to be this hard nailing midfielder, and that's another thing then as well. Like, so I'm like, yeah, you know, the manager is encouraging me stuff, so I nail a fella in a challenge. Now, to be fair, like, look. I, I caught him late, like whatever, like, but yeah. I missed the ball, got a red card, got fined two weeks' wages for it. So, do you know, like, you're just there, where's like, where's the line, like, where's, where is the line, yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, it does, it does, it does take the sting and the fun out of it then as well with the wages and the competitiveness with um, contracts. And it's, again, it, it brings in a totally new side into football mm. that people don't really know about. Like you're looking from the outside and you're saying like, oh, do you know, 
these lads picking up paychecks and it's different now I suppose at the top because yeah. you, like they're getting serious money yeah. they don't have to worry about that stuff but it was different for me it was it was like I, I earned a good living but oh yeah to earn it like yeah absolutely I, I suppose uh, you know uh, speaking of that financial pressure you were there as you said when the kind of club this this thing hit the wall with City um, and like I mean obviously the subject's been done to death by I think nearly everybody in the dressing room now is on record at the time but was it something that you felt afterwards angry about like was it something that you you know you had a, you were doing really well at City you were playing you know you were enjoying your football as you say um, I know the Rico thing was was a setback, but you know you had matches coming then, and it was all right. Like things things were going reasonably well. But uh, did you feel angry that that kind of all that off the field stuff was kind of forced you out and, and forced a lot of other guys out of what the, the kind of wages they should be earning? Yeah, like I, I'd say the older lads and even uh, Neil Horgan from his book there. You know, when you read mm. it, they were going through a different thing to me. It was actually good to read that book because. They were they were going through a different because they were probably me a couple of years later then yeah. you know earning the money when I was that young and I suffered I was living at home you know it wasn't too bad for me mm. actually I think I might have been renting at that stage but I was able to go home anyway you know yeah, and it, was. it wasn't that much of a pressure and money money never really kind of bothered me that in that way you know mm. I was just all football and trying to make it and you know I was disappointed now because we had won the Satanta Cup and it was good yeah. you know and. But I, I felt like I felt like I, I needed a new challenge. I needed to get out of Cork and have a new challenge. And, you know, I needed to be pressure, pressured and I needed to be disciplined anyway. I was never going to get that in Cork. Yeah. I was never going to get it because I had too much of an attitude and too much of, a, like, a, an ego at the time. And it was probably the best move that I went to, like, uh, Stevenage. Well, maybe, like, you know, for, for disciplining me and finding out, like, you know, Finding myself because yeah. again it was it was a new challenge, new opportunity. I could have stayed with Cork that season. Yeah, I was actually we discussed the contract, um, but again, look, it just I always wanted to go to the UK, and the minute that came up, I was gone. Was like, then, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was your first impressions going over to Stevenage? You know, your first couple of weeks there in terms of. So I I actually quite enjoyed it. Like it was like you know. It was it was full time training, you know. There was there was, and we we were full on, you know. Mm. But the quality player, like I was really surprised. Um, I I I thought going over that they wouldn't be as good as Cork City players, mm -hmm. but they they were, if not better. Mm. Now, obviously, you got you know uh, Finney and Roy were different level, level again and stuff like that. Like, but the the standard was was very good, and the standard of the games was good, and you know it was a different game again. There was more football kind of played in the conference than there was in League of Ireland. The pitches were better. The pitches were bigger, which gave you the opportunity to play. The stadiums were better. The facilities were better. So, like, you know, and I see a lot of League of Ireland players there. And, you know, they're like, they look down on like the conference or League Two or League Two. And you're like, a lot of them kind of like if you went over there you probably wouldn't make it you yeah. know and you're just saying like I wouldn't I wouldn't look down in anywhere you know it suits some some kind of players and then again other opportunities like I think Irish players don't look far enough mm. past the UK yeah uh, and maybe the opportunity isn't there for them either really mm. because of the language barriers I mean you can't really go to Spain or Italy you have to probably learn Spanish and 
then yeah, that could that, be another opportunity I suppose for someone like yeah I, if they're young enough yeah absolutely and even you know I suppose a lot like somewhere like Spain would be somewhere where you could probably survive in English to begin with and sort of lead your way into the country and was that ever something that crossed your mind when you were there like to kind of never, go abroad never 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 crossed my mind to go to anywhere like that and it's something that kind of I wish someone did because hmm. could it, I, I could have had a totally different career I suppose and if you look at Colin Falvey, actually, he, he's made a, a very good career out of, he yeah. went to like New Zealand and, and uh, Canada League and, and American League. And he had a very, very interesting career and he's still going. But yeah, it was, it was weird because when I did find out where Colin was and I was in England, I was like, she's never even crossed my mind. Yeah, right? you know, it was always UK, UK, UK. Yeah. Try to get to Man United as crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I suppose that was, that was, a major thing for you um, in terms of United. I, I, I want to talk about the Old Trafford thing in a second because obviously I mean, can't go through the interview without mentioning that in terms of your uh, your background. But just, you, I remember talking about that agent. I mean, I presume you scrapped him after the Sunderland thing. So was your dad doing all your business at that point or who was kind of looking after your... No, so I, I, yeah, I, this is going agents again. So I, he was my agent at Stevenage, okay? Mm. And basically... Who's this now? Your 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 original agent from my Sunderland? original agent, yeah, Sunderland, yeah. Okay. So he brought me over then to Stevenage and did the deal. And after the first year, like we were flying, we were twenty four games unbeaten or something like that, league uh, league record and stuff. And we we're after going to Wembley and win the FA Trophy, and yeah. I was playing really well. And uh, I was like, you know, I was like, sh- like seeing other lads. There was fellas interested, clubs interested, you know. Yeah. And I was like. There anyone like interested in me or whatever and it, like the agent was calling me and he was saying you know this club that club or like into whatever like and but uh he was uh, he was doing something behind my back with steven anyway. Okay. i don't know what he was doing but he was doing something anyway and uh he said he mentioned one club okay and alan bennett was at that club okay. and i i i rang benno and just like asked him to like um, speak to the manager and see does he know who who I am? Yeah. The manager said nothing. Do you know what yeah, I mean? It was like I kind of find out, found out. Then it was just like do you know from that moment on, then it was kind of cagey about that 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 agent. And yeah. then at the end, then I kind of I just scrapped him off. So like that's another thing as well. Like, be careful with agents. Like you know, is that something that? I mean, obviously, you strike me as a sort of person that that's totally nonsense, all that kind of business. But is it something that other players buy into that kind of agent? You know, need my agent to push me on, and because I think a lot of guys blame a lack of ability or a lack of form on their agent as to why they can't get deals. Is that something that you found was kind of rife, especially in England, where guys are it's it's very much seen as a profession. Yeah, I think oh, look, it's a, it's a big it's a big business at the moment, and it's it's no different than the lower leagues. Good agents, like they know they have the contacts. Mm. They, like if I start up an agency in the morning, I can get the players on board. Mm. The contacts are the ones that matter, and I suppose it's the same thing if the agents have the contacts. You see, you figure out then, like you're talking when you start to get wide of like agents and mm. clubs and stuff. You see the same players going to the same clubs yeah. and that's why with the same managers because they'll all have the same agents because they only have a certain network of contacts like of course, yeah. you know and yeah. the same players be going on trial the same clubs and stuff like that and 
it's a massive breaking point. Whereas I don't know. Look, there needs to be some kind of system worked out where, like you know, a manager has a style of play or something like that, and he wants those kind of players. Mm. Again, that's a massive important thing if you're going to a club. Like you need to meet the manager. I need to sit down and have a chat with him and he needs to be honest with you as well. Yeah, of course. You know, some managers aren't honest, like they just try to get in the player, you know, and yeah. turn around and say to him, like, I'm gonna drop like I'm I'm not gonna play every game or we I like if you're a winger, I I I, I just want you going down the wing whipping and crosses. I don't want you taking people on and trying to get shots away yeah. and losing the ball. Just come out and say it, like yeah, you know. Yeah. But there are some guys I suppose want to sell you the moon and stars. Like, can, can you survive in England without an agent? Is, is that something that can be done? Yeah. yeah. Like, Were there any guys that you know? I think you have to own? have an agent when you're going to the clubs, really. You can't really do it yourself. Um, unless, I don't know, maybe you're just kind of savvy enough. Most of them will have agents. Mm. Like when I got rid of that agent, I, I did have another guy, but he's a good guy, uh, Andy Cousins, Tony Cousins' brother. Okay, he actually I suppose you had the Irish Australia. connection as well. Yeah, like, and he was just, much better you know he, like he was good to talk to and yeah. he, he had been through the kind of the crap part and he had injuries yeah. as well and it was just good to you know he was good to have a bunk stuff off you know so let's mention injuries can't go through an interview with you without mentioning it yeah. for a guy who retired at 28 and I know it's something you're probably sick of talking about now at this stage but I mean so obviously you had your first one at Cove when you went training and was there kind of constant niggles even with Cove going through City or was it just like were you able to kind of hold that fitness or yeah, were you no, playing I think I, you know what I was kind of naturally fit mm. naturally fit I, I'd say like as I said like didn't do any kind of proper training proper stretching stuff like that like you know mm. we did our bit like but not really but I did my cruciate at Cove that was probably the worst one but five months when I was back and I was back flying fit and I was doing all the rehab work and stuff like that and rehabilitation. Although the first time I did my cruciate, I actually, this is, this is like how bad, it, like I did the cruciate in the game. I went back home. I went out drinking, <laughs> bushing, right. you know, and yeah. I remember, like, I was... You didn't feel like, because cruciates are, cruci are so painful, like... Cruciates are painful, yeah, yeah, but then... No, I didn't really, and then then I was... I remember, because we were sitting down the whole night, drinking, and then I kind of got up to leave, like, and my knee was like a balloon, like... Yeah. I mean, like, the the, the tracksuit pants was tight, I'd say yeah. I nearly had to cut it off me. And then I was like, you know, I didn't really know at the time, like, what was wrong. Because hmm. I like not, you know, like I was able to get up when I tore my cruciate at that time. There was a there was a snap, definitely heard heard a snap. Because Kieran O'Reilly actually was next to me at the time, and he said, "I heard a snap." And I was like, looking at my knee, and I was like, "Jesus Christ, maybe it was nothing." Because that's yeah. that's sign of cruciate. It just snaps, and then your knee is fine, but you can't twist and turn. All right. So I was actually jogging up and down the line oh, as well, okay. ready right. to come back on. So I was like came back on anyway and it jerked or whatever so I, I don't know no one kind of knew cruciates at the time yeah. at Coven so I kind of let it heal and the swelling went down and you know we treated it like as a medial ligament injury so didn't go for scans and stuff at the time um, look that just wasn't in it's no fault of mm. Cove or anything it just wasn't the way at the time you know it was yeah. just to go on what the physio said and the physio said Medial ligament, four weeks, so 
obviously me healed, did some kind of strengthening work, and then four weeks later, played a game, played a full game against Cork City, uh, 21s, I remember at the time. Mm. Um, then I went up to Kilkenny, played a game up there, and we were about to play Derry in the Cup at the weekend on Thursday night. I my knee buckled because mm. there was no cruciate in it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how. To this day, I don't know how I play two games yeah, I without. Say, it. Yeah. I don't know how I think how it was just kind of adrenaline, maybe. Or I don't know. I maybe just let. Maybe it was the kind of strengthening work I did in my knee, and maybe I was just minding myself. I don't know. I I, I still don't know to this day. Yeah. Um. But yeah, buckled, and then it was locked, and then basically I had to get two operations, cartilage, and then cruciate after. But again, there's did all the did rehab work. I kind of put a bit of effort into that. I was um, came back, came back that time then. And look, I, I kind of always kind of picked up a few niggles here and there. Even okay. when I was at City, I'd say I probably did. Um, and yes, like the next thing then, Steve and I was the next bad injury was picked up a small couple of strains at times at Stevenage as well. And I broke my leg at Stevenage then. And I got back from that, finished out the League 2 season, uh, came back playing flying. I actually came back, we went to Old Trafford and yeah. playoffs that time. Yeah. And then that pre-season, we came back uh, and like I just tore a groin. And from that groin, ever since, like I, I never got, like it was always a hamstring. Now I was able to, I was able to get back, I could be training. <laughs> For two or three weeks, get yeah. my place back in the team, and then play for maybe two or three games, yeah. and then gone again. Like which, like, was it just the intensity? Like, just the fact that you I know think, the yeah, intensity of a game isn't you're never replicated in training, so you're always kind yeah. of nursing it, even in training, and then you get into a game, it all goes out the window, and all of a sudden. I think my problem was that I didn't nurse it. Hmm. The opposite way around. I I went full letter in training as well, okay. but still, you can't replicate a game, alright, but. But is there too much pressure on, especially at that level? I mean, even more so, like, talk about the highest level. The guys get the best of care. They get, you know, as much time, pretty much, as they need to recover when you're talking about the top clubs. But when you're talking League Two, Conference, League of Ireland, you have very limited budget, certain amount of players on that yeah. budget, and they need to be playing. Anybody who isn't playing is wasting money. Get back fast as you can. Uh, and yeah. is that, like... You know, is that a regret for you that you were kind of forced? Well, I don't know whether you were forced into it or whether it was your own decision like I, to kind of get back I, into if it. If I look back at it, and now when I say there's a good couple of lads there, if they had a strain or an eagle, mm. they they fobbed the game off, they'd mm. be back in the team. If I did that, I wouldn't. Mm. You know, like yeah. I had to play through injuries. Like I did, I did, I know I did. Like yeah. played through injuries, and that that takes a toll in as well. But my, if I look back in the recovery stuff there, like. The stuff that I'm doing now for my legs, like I did not like I, 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 I didn't do it like strengthening, like it was big weights and you know, kind of squats and stuff. Never yeah. did kind of resistance stuff or proper stretching of mm. muscles or you know, that kind of that kind of stuff. Um, do you feel annoyed that that wasn't around when you were, yeah, you know, so I do, but like, look, everyone's got that. Like, there's probably players before me then that did the cruciates that never made it back either. Do you know, mm. you just got to take it with the time, and it is what it is. And I, I'm a big believer of you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, like, look, you get knocks, you get back up. That's that's life, it happens. Yeah. Um, like, I'm, I'm 
doing like a bit of coaching and stuff there now and I'm enjoying that and uh, that's kind of it for me really and I'm, I'm looking at that way and maybe maybe I'm thinking maybe it's a sign that I was injured and I was able to watch a lot of games mm. and yeah. I've picked up a lot of good habits and I've been around good managers and bad managers and again like constantly wanting to learn the game and constantly being interested in it and because mm. I did I did fall out of love with it like I, I actually didn't want anything to do with football at a stage and even if I wasn't getting injured I'm glad I got out of the, the industry at the time because um, it opened up my eyes to what it really was you know mm. Was that after Macclesfield when you kind of handed back the contract was that really the kind of low end because I know Port Vale was very difficult as well Yeah you know, you kind of, like you, mean, Port, you came on Port Vale you yeah. came on for 20 minutes and yeah, I came, I came, I came on in one game. I came on in one game, and uh, I burst a sprint back to defend the ball. And actually, I tore my hamstring halfway through running, but I stayed. I, I kind just of just so determined, yeah. determined going yeah. with your man. And I swear to God, I probably did more damage probably from 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 doing it and was that out of frustration just the fact yeah, so many injuries yeah, like stuff, I, I, no I was or? like I couldn't I like we were we were uh, we were going we were, we were 1-0 up at the time or something like that and I was like you know like I have to make this because he's in here like yeah. and I and I made it and I won I won the ball and then I went out to play and I said I have to come off hmm. I'm making that effort then you know and they got promoted that season maybe that could have been no, I'm not saying that they got promoted over that, but it's a small little kind of yeah, talking. But absolutely, I'm coming off the pitch and I'm walking the physio, and Mickey Adams is screaming his head off at me. Yeah. Do you know, like, well, because you got injured, or yeah, because, because, because I got injured. But I, he's, I can understand he's frustrated. His manager, he's brought me on, and I've taken off like fucking ten minutes later or something because yeah. my hamstring's gone, you know, and uh, you know, like, and Mickey's, Mickey's actually a, a nice guy, you know, and. Explain to me after you know like the trust has kind of gone from him yeah. like he can't bring me into a game you can see that now yeah. as well you know like it was just there was nothing going to change that yeah, and uh, yeah look it, it just it just happens like like there's some players that do get injured and it's just I was one of those players mm -hmm. you know and unfortunately my calf or hamstring just didn't heal after four weeks and I was flying yeah. it just didn't happen like so yeah. and I suppose you you did you know you kind of gave them back you, I had the thing with Macclesfield you said yourself you kind of almost gave them back the contract and it's like you know can't be dealing with this was that something that was always um, were you conscious of like um, you know did it weigh in your conscience that you were picking up raw wage off uh, off clubs and that you weren't really able to to, to give that back because some guys spend half their careers injured picking up massive wages I'd like to know that stat. I'd say I'm the only fellow who handed back a contract ever, I'd say. Because, <laughs> look, it was good money for that at the time. Yeah. I could have just seen out my injury and gone to the summer yeah. and got the money. Like, So, what, what, was it just your conscience? Was it, or was it, or no, was it just, I was just sick of it? Fellow? I was just sick of it. I was just like, you know, I, I, no, again, it, it, was, it was a bit of a kind of like, you know, me kind of, you know, having a good attitude as well because mm. it was like, look, lads, I, I'll hand back the contract but I want another go in the summer maybe or something yeah, you know absolutely. don't burn my bridges kind of thing Yeah. so again it was a good gesture out of me and you know they they were good to me mm. you know so like you, you you can't I couldn't I couldn't do it to them I was like you know lads I'm at tearing my hamstring about six seven times before I fail yeah. 
I upper G weak and I've torn my calf muscle. Yeah. You know, I'm like, lads, I, I just need out of here. Like, yeah, yeah right, absolutely. You know? and, I, and it was something that Mike Lone talked about, you know, you kind of referenced him before in terms of kind of sitting on the sideline, what he said, but he was talking, obviously, you probably saw that piece with the BT Sport where he kind of said, you know, you're almost hiding from the ball because you don't want to be you don't want to have to put in those runs because if you're putting them in then you're going to get yourself injured was that a kind of situation that you found yourself in where you you almost thought I don't want to be near the ball I just want to be docking up and down the touchline and keeping keeping yeah. myself fit you know well there you go that's that's kind of when I improved more mainly as a footballer because I had to I had to I had to like be a footballer then I had to like you know get the ball into me and get it get rid of it and you know like kind of read the game where I could cut off all his runs or could I use my other central midfielder yeah. you know that kind of that kind of way like but funny Mike Lone I, I, I did see that piece and uh, I fell for him and the thing is when I was at Port Fail uh, that time Mike Lone was at Stoke right. and we I used to see him in Nuffield Health Centre yeah, in the yeah. gym and he used to be kind of doing the same stuff I was doing we were in the gym after nearly every training session doing extra work yeah, up and down pool runs and doing everything mm. about our hamstrings and stuff like that. And you know, like I looked at that and I said, like he, like he put in, he put in as much effort as me to try and get back, yeah. but he just couldn't do it. Like just couldn't just do it. Could, yeah. It just was yeah. not happening. You were saying as well, like in that interview with Flynn, you did on your on your own um, fans voice TV, which we're definitely going to get to um, at the latter end of this interview, like. They're just—it's exhausting, isn't it? Like you're you're going in way before everybody else. You're leaving way after everybody else. You're not really part of the group because they're going off and playing. And I suppose you even think about you know John Dunleavy with being a Cork City example now currently, where he's just kind of constant rehab. And he said, you know, he said to me in an interview a couple of months ago, and he says you have really low times. It just must be more than anything. It just must be mentally exhausting to be constantly in. To have such long days and to have nothing to show for it, really, you know, when it when it comes to half a tree or you have it. Yeah, no, it does. It, it definitely affects you mentally. And again, when I was living in Stoke that time, like again, I was living in an apartment on my own. You know, the my family were home; they were there for me. But I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't that kind of person to call and yeah. say, like, you know, I'm struggling here. Like, mm. you know, like I, I wasn't like and. You look, you know, a lot of people are coming out now, footballers and stuff, saying they were depressed. It's like, and I get where they're coming from. Like, you know, mm. there is there is low times that you go through. It's like, especially I've I've gone through some hard times. Like, there's there's mornings there. I was waking up and I was like, do I really have to go in here today? Is there anything else I can do? Do you know? Like, yeah. I need to be able to do something else. And that's why I spoke about when I did get out of football and got away from it and kind of, you know, took the plunge to getting back into real life. Like I, I did kind of enjoy it so much, yeah, of course. and it's hard. It's like a freedom, I, yeah, yeah. And it's hard for people. It is hard for people to come out of fo- football and then go back into the workplace. And I see because there is that ego. Mm. Like from one minute you're probably in a in a pitch, and like you know, or a training ground, and the fans coming up asking for your autograph. Yeah, you're out of football. You're you're nobody. You're dead. Like you know yeah. what I mean? It's like fucking just like oh, he was a player or something, and then. You kind of come back into the workplace, and especially in Cork, they'll yeah. let you know. Like they'll be of like, course. Do you know, like you be at work, 
Oh, not a full time footballer now, like, yeah, yeah look at yeah, you. Yeah. Back, back working now, bye. Yeah, back, back with the rest of us. us. Yeah. Do you know, like, and they, they will let you know. And it's, again, it's, it's mentality thing. And if I, some, some fellas crumble, you know, mm. and they, they take it to heart and it, it really affects them. And just look, I, I was kind of lucky that way that, like, grafter, like. Yeah, absolutely. And it was even the, you know, your, basis in terms of growing up and the sort of training that you did and the sort of the, almost the lack of training that you did and just grafting games probably helped in that and I, that was even something Shane O'Connor mentioned to me I know you read the piece that Paul Dollar you did um, you know last weekend or whatever it was yesterday and like you must you must be sharing so many of those sentiments in terms of you come home and it's like you're a has-been it's like nobody you know nobody care and that must be that must be I can't imagine how difficult that is in terms of you're already feeling bad enough about your situation. I mean, nobody wants to go over there. And, you know, I mean, relatively, and we'll get onto that very shortly, relatively, you had quite a successful time in terms of where you played, you won trophies, you know, you, you had honours, you got teams promoted. But at the end of it all, you're still back working in Cork. And as you say, fellas coming up to you and saying smart word. And that, that must be very difficult to kind of think, you know, like, what well, was it all worth it? It is, but then, yeah, there is an opposite way around to that as well because you would have walked around with the badges and the leagues yeah. and had a, an attitude and an ego back in probably their faces as well. Yeah, you know, so like yeah. there is there is that as well. You're probably walking around like Conor McGregor and then <laughs> then you come down and he gets, he gets beaten, you know, like... Do you ever feel like uh, bringing a, you know, bringing your... Football vase or your your Santa Cup medal into the the world the lads at work you know anybody giving you a ribbing and just yeah, go in and yeah, wear it yeah, around yeah, your yeah. neck and say I should actually I should actually put the medals in my back pocket and then you know just like, yeah. tur- take off the the fleece turn around <laughs> and you know just leave them hang out there <laughs> but yeah no look I was I I was really successful throughout my career even that, like I was involved in teams at the right times mm. all the time as well like you know and I did. Like, not many footballers can say they won stuff or, you know, like, yeah. I, I do have medals and trophies to beat the band at home. Um, and I, I did enjoy my time. And again, lots more to come. Like, like there is, I, I, I'm always kind of looking out um, for what's to come next. And some sometimes I can, I can see Shane out there now, like, when he came back to Cove, I was assistant at the time. Mm. And, you know, you could see, like you know, he 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 was like you know feeling down at times and stuff, and it was just trying to give me even a word in his ear, and you know, kind of what I went through and stuff, and yeah. obviously, like you know, he was at Ipswich and Liverpool and stuff, and it was tough, and I I, I knew how he felt, you know, yeah, and uh, yeah, but he's look, he's he's picking himself up massively. He's a strong character as well, like he's yeah. got a great mentality, you know, yeah. great lad, and. He again. He's he's one of the lucky ones who's kind of not letting himself. It's it's not getting to him, and yeah. it probably does get to him at times. You know, they got they gave him one, but yeah, yeah. You know, he's 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 well able for it. You know, which uh, is a good thing. It comes across as well as kind of a, you know a very self aware kind of guy, a bit like yourself. You know that he's very kind of aware of. He's not making. He doesn't have any grandiose ideas about himself. He's not. He's not deluded in any way. You know, yeah. he's he's really you know he's conscious of of him as a player and sort of able to look back and reflect on the decisions that he made like as we say there were a lot of good points how you know what does it feel like walking up you know from that busby way you know you've all traffic in front of you 
pair of boots in your hands going in the tunnel like, you know it must be yeah there's phenomenal like do you know obviously you've had lads play there probably week in and week out but for me being a Manchester United fan like and it was just unbelievable we got the home dressing room as well yeah just to walk out onto the pitch and see it in dressing rooms and you know there's even they, they had like an odds thing of you had to score there up in it and oh, yeah. I, I was heavy heavy heavily <laughs> backed if you if you if you put a fiver on me you would probably walk out there rich if i scored for a day and you know what i actually should have scored mm. jesus there was a ball came in i should have gambled on guy missing it i got the header in all right but it hit me too late one of those ones you know yeah, right over his head and yeah. if i scored there oh my god it would have been the end of scenes, it. yeah. We would but, never uh, heard you again. But no, it was. It was, it was surreal. And, and there was Wembley then as well. Um, some great trips, like, you know. And you look back at it and you say, you are, you are lucky enough. You know, like, that's, there's a small, small percentage of people who get that opportunity. Like, yeah. and oh, I, and uh, I see, because I came out of it, you see yourself, and you see yourself as a failure. Mm, absolutely yeah and I don't know where that breaking point is like what, what like how do you how are you successful you know is it like you know you just play till you stop and you retire and everyone says good job on Twitter do you know yeah, <laughs> like, well I, I mean it's I suppose it's personal like I mean I can speak personally from somebody that had very very little footballing talent but worked extremely you know, I like to think that I worked extremely hard and you are the man who gave me my Monster Senior League debut and for me that was on my bucket list as a as a person who, who loves sport whose dad was always mad into watching League of Ireland mad into Senior League he, I remember even I told him you know playing there and playing against Wilton and for a lot of fellas even listening might think guffawed it but for somebody who was so you know personally such a really relatively poor football player to get an opportunity to play at that with guys who had played you know the Monsignor Cup had won the Monsignor Cup had beaten the likes of Limerick and Watford I know there were youth teams but that was phenomenal for me so for me that's a great achievement whereas for you that was you know you were 17 you were playing League of Ireland first division so you know and, and then you went on to play yeah, FA Cup and went on to bigger and greater things so I suppose that's kind of where it is it's personal isn't it it's kind of you, you you realize where your ability lies you realize where you kind of fit and then you just try and make the best of of what you have really isn't it that's, that's kind of well look just taking you as an example there so basically you know you talk about attitude and your ability and you kind of knew where you were but your ability has increased then like i, I remember you saying to me in pre-season can i come down and co- do a couple of sessions mm. like you were kind of gone out of my head because i didn't know if you'd left the club or not and yeah. you, we had scrapped the juniors at that time had, yeah. but you approached mm. me so you took the first step you approached me you showed your interest and you showed your attitude mm. Then you came down training, and we had a game at that time. And like you know, you you look you look really really good. Like you know, you're 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 saving balls, and then you're shouting loud as a goalkeeper, which you want hmm. your goalkeeper to do. And basically, kind of I, I kind of looked in and I said, yeah, do you know what? We can we can need that, like you know. And we played in that game against Avondale in the preseason hmm. friendly, and you know, you took your confidence and you took your chance, and you know, you were coming out for balls and catching them. And basically shouting goalkeeper, which is, it's a small thing, like, but yeah. it makes a huge difference, yeah. you know? So, and it, so you show the attitude and the, the, the willingness to get in the team. And 
I no problem putting you in then. Yeah. You know what I mean? I yeah. I'd have no problem putting you in senior game then from then on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But then from my from like I mean, I don't want to kind of veer off too much, but I'm just saying this is why I asked you about the kind of question about kind of self awareness because you know I, I played obviously played that senior game and I was thinking I don't belong here at all. These guys are way better than me. There's no reason I should be here. And then you kind of that confidence factor where you go out and you have a decent game and you think actually no, you know. Maybe I'm not as bad as I think I am originally. Whereas you obviously said you had the opposite problem where you thought you were too good for where you were and that you're moving on. Uh, but like that, that whole thing of like, I, I suppose going back to, to your story, because this is not the Kevin Galvin podcast. Um, like had you been to Old Trafford before that? I mean, you were a big United fan, but had you got the opportunity to go to Old Trafford yeah, or was so that your first time? No, I went, uh, my uncle took me there when I was, um, younger. Um, we, I can't remember, was it actually, was it a Rockmount trip from my uncle took me? Hmm. I can't remember, but I was at Old Trafford as a kid and I can't even, couldn't tell you what game it was or anything. But do you remember, remember was, that that in your mind, was that in your mind when you were there? Like, you know, always, walking yeah, in, do you think? I remember I, walking I, in here as a fan and now? Not really, no, I no. wouldn't I wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't have thought so, no. I, I kind of remember just see, watching Man United play constantly and, hmm. you know, Eric Cantona was my hero, like, and it yeah. was all Man United and getting to play on the same pitch he did. And, and as well, it was achievement, I suppose, really, because I was thinking, you know, like, as you said, self-belief, you get to a certain stage and self-awareness, so you get to a certain age and you know you're a good footballer and then you kind of come up against better footballers and you kind of realise in the scale where you are and, yeah. you know, like, that age you're thinking, you know, like I'm coming here with Stevenage, I'm not coming here with Man United or Liverpool, you yeah. know, any kind of where. So it's a, it, it is a kind of thing I taught in my head, you know, I was saying, you know, like there's there's plenty of the good footballers, like there's mm. probably players in the Munster scene league, you know, they're better footballers than I ever was. Mm. But my attitude, my like uh, determinants got me to Old Trafford, you yeah, know, it got me yeah. to Wembley, it got me to what I win, wanted to win and, that's 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 what it's down to and that's why I'm saying even for you there your attitude got you that game mm. and players need to realise that like they they do like fellas walking around with egos and you know I'm this and I'm that and you've got to be humble like and I know Conor McGregor has made millions off being like uh, but that's a one off like you know like you have you have to be humble and you have to be open and be willing and like you're you're this close mindness, even I, I even seen it from managers and coaches. Mm. They have an opinion formed, and that's it. That's it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. you can't. You the biggest thing for me as a coach or manager is that I'm able to turn around and say, "Do you know what? I got that wrong. I yeah. I screwed up there. Do you know, yeah. like that was a big mistake." And I'm so glad that I'm able to realize that, and I'm self aware to do it. Like I can realize when I am wrong, and you know. I'm I'm big enough now to to order. I've got many knocks and I I know I know I'm I just want to improve all the time and I want to learn. And is it important as a player because you constantly hear this? You know, well, forget about it. You're only as good as your next game. You're only as good as your next game, which to a certain extent is true. But is it important for a player, especially one like yourself, where you went through very difficult times and you've had you know your ups and downs? Is it important to be able to you know take time like? You know, after that FAVA's trophy win, after going up in you know in, in the football league and in the Wembley, to reflect and to sit down and and you know with a good glass of wine or you know a pint in your hand and just oh, say strange. you know like 
I deserve this. You know, I deserve this now and I'm going to enjoy it. And then I'm going to enjoy it for a couple of days or a week. And then I'm going to be back at it. Whereas we never hear football players saying, I'm going to enjoy it. We always hear them saying, oh, well, you know, even on, even on Twitter, it's this onto the next one, you know, next one up, onto the next one. We never hear a football player saying, actually, you know what? Enjoy that. That was great. And I'm going to take tomorrow now. I'm just going to enjoy it. And then I can start again after that. Yeah. Well, I suppose, yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. Most, like, I, I did that at Cork City and you can't, you can't really do that as a footballer because I, I was getting a game and enjoying it in uh, Havana Browns in the bar. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, well, I, I got a glass of wine so at night. Yeah, I enjoyed it that night and then, you know, the next day I was probably dying and wasn't yeah. thinking anything about football and then was thinking get back into training Monday or whatever it was. But I know, I know what you're saying, take, take the win. You do, you do, but do you know what? There's a massive thing football as well. Like you enjoy your game and then you're recovering. And if you're not playing, you're busting your bollocks to get fit. Yeah. Do you know, and, and and try and enjoy the next game. But unfortunately, football is that. It's it's on to the next game. And yes, that's a big thing for me is like it keeps you on your toes that you're only as good as your last game. And for me, I and and a lot of football like as I said, you're 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 kind of dead outside of football and this kind of like I, I never I never turn around and throw my medals or anything I've won in people's yeah. faces and, yeah. and I think looking at looking at Mourinho there Man United and stuff you know he's saying I won all these Premier Leagues and stuff and these players you know that even pundits and stuff like you know mm. saying you're somebody and you know there was the Robbie Savage saying who's he and all this there's yeah. kind of that stuff there of that's something I wouldn't even get involved in even with, even, even with fellas here it's yeah. like it's pointless like you know you you played football great. You didn't play football great. Like everyone has something to offer and everyone has something to give. So yeah. And is there a certain amount of like, especially you know, like you have the whole Instagram generation and the Twitter thing. Is there a certain amount of like this? This is what you have to be to be a footballer. Like you know, like James Milner now is a great example of somebody who just who wasn't. He didn't have the big flashy cars. He wasn't going out getting haircuts every week. He, you know, he wasn't putting up Instagram stories of him with you know, X, Y, and Z, like, and he's gotten slaughtered for it. He's the whole boring James Miller Twitter account and the whole thing. Like, is it is it difficult to kind of, you know, as a guy who isn't kind of born that way, to try and fit in then with that kind of culture of, you have to go, you have to get the big watches and the fast cars and you have to put it all on social media and, you know, everything is, yeah. is out you, there. You kind, of, you kind of do kind of slip into it in some ways. Like, I suppose... You know, kind of when I when I was growing, I always wanted a nice car, or you know, like mm. you know, it was all the rich thing when the football came into it. You know, be a professional footballer, yeah. and then comes the money with it. Then you yeah. know, and then you are earning good money as a young fella. Yeah. And you're like, you know, driving nice cars, like getting a big house, renting it. You know, you've money to be banned by nice clothes and stuff, and you do kind of get sucked into it. All right, like, and I'll admit it as well. When I was a young fella, I got sucked into it. Like, yeah. you know, you. I don't know how it happens or how you get out of it or but it does and I can imagine it's really bad for the young fellas these days because you know they're at the big clubs and the under 18s is probably earning more than Alan Shearer they ever did yeah. in his career and you can see that as well but social media social media has a good and bad side towards professional footballers they get to obviously social media is fake they don't get to see when they get a kick in the bollocks dropped or like you know, if they've had a bad training session, or they've missed yeah. missed an open goal, it cost the team the league. Don't get to see that; they just get to see all the good stuff. 
they get to see when he's doing well, he's training this way. Like there's a lot of people who help as well, you know, strength and condition coaches and there's a lot of good stuff. And but there is a lot of bad stuff. But you find that like I suppose you probably didn't have it so much when you were playing with Stephen Each, but you're probably still in contact with guys now who are playing professionally and you know, you're never in the history of football has have players ever been so directly contactable by or by their fans. You know, like you, you let's say you, you do miss an open goal, you log online and you have four hundred notifications yeah. as well as telling you you're this, that and the other. Like that must be unbelievably difficult that's for, for that's, guys. Yeah, look, you're in you're in that kind of industry now and that's the way the world is going and you know, again, the good and bad sides of that is that like the good sides or that, like, you know, if you're doing well, everyone's on you and the well done. So you take the well done's with the, you did terrible today's yeah. kind of, but you know what? Like, I tell you now, social media was around when we were playing, like, a couple of lads would be a Premiership Barcelona clubs. Yeah. They would be, like, yeah. the social media is doing a huge job for some players there at mm. the moment. Like, yeah. getting Earl and call ups there and stuff like that. They're being thrown around there, like, left, right, and centre. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I, I, you know, I'd have a bit to say on that, right? But, you know, it has done fellas massive favors. Yeah, absolutely. So. And, and, and like talking about social media now brings me nicely to your project. Um, like as if you're not doing enough between like you're coaching Riverstone, you're now coaching co-founders. You're, you know, you're probably doing a half million things, and you're also looking after Fans Voice TV. So, I mean, we met and we talked about it. Almost well, at the end of last year, the start of this year, I think around about then. How did that come about, and where where was that idea? Where did that idea come from? So a big thing would have been, you know, obviously you see stuff on social media, and I see I saw lots of stuff in the UK, and I I was thinking about it, and you know, um, my missus, uh, uh Claude Haywood does social media, and mm. we were kind of speaking about, it and she's saying, yeah, do you know what, that'd be a good idea, and she could help me with it, and she's been a huge help, um. And then it was up to me to go, like, I, I, I was going to speak into the likes of yourself and a couple of other people, uh, Paul Dollery and stuff, you know, kind of, will it work? Or, and I I did it, I did it to kind of get my love back for the game as well. Okay. And kind of, I was doing coaching as well and I could see the opportunity and as well, I wanted to kind of get it out there from players as well, that kind of angle and kind of supporters and there was the learning factor and trying to get it out there, you know, that is football can be a bad place as well, you know, it's yeah. not just great, like, you know, you need to be aware of the fact and, you know, everyone asks the question, what does it take to be a professional footballer, yeah. you know, and I hopefully will have the answer to that. <laughs> one but, uh, yeah, I'd look, and again, getting back to being a fan, I thought, like, if I was going around watching matches and getting to know supporters clubs because, I heard that there was supporters clubs and I was like, what? It was kind of, you know, what's yeah. going on here? And then, then I got to see them and speak to them and kind of understand their thing, where they're coming from as well. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge thing, opening up your mind again, being a coach and a manager and not being just closed. You know, you find out what they're thinking and obviously a lot of them don't know football and just throw random shouts out. But yeah. some of it can be good, like, and they do have good, yeah. people do have good opinions and yeah. they mightn't, like even coaching and stuff there now, you know, you see the lads are doing the badges and stuff like that who haven't been involved in football and, mm. you know, they can't pick up the small minor things that yeah. you would as a footballer. Yes. But maybe the opposite way around then, you can pick up something that they're yeah, offering. absolutely. Do you yeah. know, like, and yeah. 
again, everyone has something to offer, and I'm just basically going out there stealing it off. <laughs> and that's a very strange angle you're coming from, isn't it? Like, I mean, the you just expect, oh, X-Pro is going to launch a YouTube channel. It's going to be X-Pros talking to X-Pros about football, or it's going to be an X-Pro. You know, you do the, how many inane comments do we have out of X-Pros on TV? And, like, you know, they might have played football, but some of the stuff they're talking is, you know, it's, it's absolute rubbish. And, I don't know. You know, like, like yeah. it's, it, but it's a strange angle for you to come in from the fan side. So what, what made you kind of do the, so from like, the fans' point of view? I, I'm looking... Like I, I obviously watching games and you're looking the pundit stuff, and I'm of the same opinion as you. Like you know, they're going through the game. They got the circles and the X's yeah. and saying that line should have been straight. These 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 teams are working on that stuff every day. Yeah, they know that line should be straight. Yeah. What about like you know there was one for the World Cup there or something. There was a free kick outside the box, and basically there was a line of defenders, mm. and I don't know. I think it was Russia. So the ball in. This Russian jumps up, bang, heads it into the bottom corner or whatever yeah. it was. Great, great goal, great finish. And all they're talking about is the line should be up and, you know, like they should have defended that. Nothing about like, fucking hell, what a ball that was. And fair play to your man for heading it. Yeah. See how high he jumped. Yeah. Do you know what I was just like, I want to. Is I, football coming to. Oh, too, is it becoming too yeah. intelligent? Like That's are people I mean. trying to turn it into a what do they want? Like uh, every game nil all. Yeah. That's why I'm thinking like as obviously the coaching and stuff like that, and you know, teams are changing and you can set up teams to perform in different ways, like Mourinho is trying to do it there now, you know, you know, parking the bus, this kind of thing. And mm. and it, it is kind of I don't know, driving kind of some kind of quality out of football well, everyone's trying to be Pep aren't they everyone wants to be the great tactical genius the Pep Guardiola and you see guys and they're writing huge pieces on kind of the tactics of the game yeah. and uh, you know, kind of football's more simple than that really isn't it though when it boils down to it it's, a lot of it's down to winning individual contests you know player with a bit of skill or as you say great ball in a great header not so much about the fact that the line's up the line might have been up five times in the game but it took that ball and that header to, to, to turn it into the goal. That that's it. And as well, you talk about Pekar like I I I've read Pep's book, I've read Van Gaal's book, I've read uh Del Piero. So again, just studying and getting to learn and mm. so and you if you read the books like I mean the, the teams that they started with. Like Van Gaal had had a few uh, terrible managerial uh, careers yeah. in, in, in in Holland yeah. trying his system and then it worked at Ajax when it, with his team with Kluivert, Zedorf, Davids, yeah. and then his system worked. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, like... Yeah, is it the system or is it didn't the work players? in a couple other places, yeah. but then it worked in there. Yeah. So then, you know, bang, straight away, then it's Dutch football hero, yeah. like, you know, like... And Pep as well, Pep. Pep had P, uh, PK, like, uh, probably young Iniesta, Xavi, do you know, like... Yeah, Messi, obviously, yeah. I'm saying, Jesus, like... But, <laughs> You I, can't turn out a result of a team I, like that. Like. But I was, I'm a big fan of Pep Guardiola and love watching his teams play. And again, I tried, I tried some of his stuff. And you know, hmm. you're you go into coaching badge and you're trying playing out from the back and stuff like that. And it takes takes a lot of time to do it. Hmm. It, it does like a lot of time. And if you look at Pep's first season in Man City, I mean, they're not bad players yeah. that he had. 
Yeah. And he had to get rid of him and he had to get in different fellas to play in the system. Yeah. Do you know, that should kind of tell you something at your lower level that if you're with a club and you have an hour a week training, yeah. it's not going to happen. Yeah, you? absolutely. And I suppose, as again, it depends on the personnel. You have to be able to judge the personnel and everything else. Do you think that, do you think fans are undervalued in football? Like, do you think that's, you know, I, I think I think fans like have made themselves undervaluable and they have all the power. Like they like they need to realise that the power that they have. Maybe do you know if it's not like I know there's a lot of money in football and T V money and stuff like that, but like they're they're buying jerseys, they're buying this, buying that. There's a lot of merchandise going into clubs, mm. you know. Like they do have more power than they think like, but they, like again, it's hard for fan. It's it's hard because so many of them are so different opinions. Mm. Like you know, yes. some of them are intelligent football fans, and they don't want. They just want to concentrate on the game, and they're definitely manager. Other fellas just want to throw glasses at the players, you know. And then you yeah. you you fellas shouting, and other fellas shouting at the ref, and it's just such a mixed bunch. Yeah, you know. But I I like I. I enjoy listening to what the fans have to say, and even with the Cork City fans there, and you know, you're th- you just get a, such a different aspect yeah. that I haven't heard before. Of like I talk to lads, and it's all about the football and the tech technical stuff, and they know the game. Like every, like any football will tell you, any football can go in half his saw, like you know, and tell you be a pundit and be like, he should, he, that defender should have really stepped to the right there. And they're like, Do you know, like yeah, we all know, like. Do you know, like, yeah. I, but again, there must be lots of people watching them. Yeah, well, that's uh, they, they they do get paid well. They're yeah. at every game, you know. But then again, I don't know, like have this soul or soul. They're like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, certainly something that just grinds my gears. The amount of ex pros that are on that have very little to say, and then there's an awful lot of actually very good journalists who mightn't have necessarily had a playing career themselves, but understand. Or at least have done the research on whatever team it is, you know, a lot more. Um, you're coaching now, Cove Wanderers. You, you took over Riverstone. I think you were across Avon before that. Um, how have you enjoyed coaching? Like, do you, do you do you do you enjoy it? I mean, obviously, obviously you enjoy it. You wouldn't be doing it, but um, I suppose what is the most kind of enjoyable aspect of it, or what are the things I that do, you enjoy the most about it? I, I do enjoy it. Real, uh, like the, the challenging. Like you know, mm. it it is challenging, and especially down at like Crosshaven and being a junior club and then mm. Riverstone again took them over there like you know there there it was it was kind of mess there yeah. like you know, all the players had left and then you know uh come into a bunch with um you know their confidence was so low when it first mm. took over. But oh, I think I've learned so much like mm. so much from 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 the groups like you know taking them over and the training and what works and what doesn't and you know uh like coaching players different personalities has been huge for me and the like again you know i was talking to Stephen Anderson there last week and what he gets out of seeing them go on and yeah. you know do well and there's nothing better than like you're you're coaching and you see the lads doing well and they're enjoying themselves and like i i, I do really enjoy it and yeah take I've taken a new challenge now again in Cove Wanderers and it's probably it's a big challenge mm. and it, like there is there is um, pressure there to do well yeah but again look 
pressure is going to come some stage in my career mm. it has to because I want to I want to pursue coaching so I do I, I enjoy the challenge and um, the the player development and the club development and uh, and trying to get them to to do as well as I can now as well oh, would you prefer the coaching or the media what would you if you had the choice to go down oh coaching yeah. coaching yeah coaching pays less <laughs> <laughs> the the other thing as well I wanted to ask you about just you know, quickly before we before we wrap up is um, you're one of the pairs of players after John Caulfield and as this is a Cork City podcast I suppose I wanted to ask your opinion on what it's like to play under John um, he strikes me as a very intense kind of guy uh, but a guy who you know works extremely hard and kind of sets an example of hard work for the rest of the players John, yeah, like from the first time I met John, um, I just want to sign from straight away. You know, he's you're not the first person to to say that. Like, what what is that? Yeah. What, what what is it that he gives so, out that makes you? Because a couple of players have said that, like a good few players. Yeah, have said that. like you know, the, his passion more than anything, really. As it's it's, uh, it's just different, you know. It's, and I suppose he kind of tells you what he, what he what he wants and what he expects and you know he's kind of honest and he's upfront mm. um got again it didn't go as well for me at Cork City yeah. myself and John's relationship was kind of a bit tense towards it like okay. but well, why why do you want to you know why was obviously because I, I had injuries and yeah. you know John 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 wants you you know to push on and yeah. you know he's that kind of attitude and he wants sire and me training with Cork City again. You go back to the Michael Owen thing. Like John knew I wasn't sprinting in yeah. in his sprints, you know, and he's putting on these sessions and he wants me to go through. And then I'm at the other uh, spectrum. I don't want yeah. to pull my hamstring or get injured or whatever, yeah. you know. And that kind of was there was a difficult period there, you know. And and look, like massive respect for the man, you know, yeah. and uh, he knows that as well. But he was probably more disappointed he couldn't get more out of me. Yeah. And I was disappointed as well that I couldn't give more. Yeah, of course. And as well being back, I, I kinda came back and I had a point to prove and I I was like, you know, I it kinda didn't really really go that well for me, Cork City. Last yeah. time like it was never you know, I couldn't show what I kinda did, yeah, uh, how good I was. Yeah. And I couldn't either at this time, you know, and I was like, you know, it, it was really frustrating for me. But there was other things going on outside of football and uh, as well at that time. Yeah, of course. And I, I left Cork City, but like John, John has done a fantastic job. Um, especially like there was a lot of people questioning uh, his uh, choice or the club's choice as him as manager at the mm. start. You know, they were saying, "Oh, coming out of the Munster Senior League," and a lot of players would have been like, you know, kind of, "Oh, like is it like is it is it going to be?" And like it just goes to show, like you know, he's he's. He's been perfect for them. He's mm. like a lot of a lot of managers around the league didn't respect him either. You know, yeah. the first year, and yeah. he knows that himself. Like yeah. he's earned he's earned their respect. Like, yeah, and I, 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 I like again, he has a different style of football, um, you know, and that's that's John's style, and it's yeah. doing well, and it's getting success. And I, I think, look, there's a lot of fans a bit, a bit harsh, and they they're probably used to Cork City. You know, good football sides and mm. flowing football, and that's just not there at the moment. And they had, they weren't successful that way, you know. Yeah. And he's come in. He's, he's the manager. His job is to win games, mm. and he's done much more outside the club to yeah. get in the sponsorships and stuff. And it's like you know, and I I said it to Trevor Wells before. Like he he's he's like a J guy just involved in soccer. Like you know, he's, yeah. He should have 
on Barnish Door on the back. Definitely has that yeah. sort of uh, like he's, he's country. A, yeah. You can see that he's really raised in that kind of background. Yeah, yeah. but look, look, he's done it. He's done, he's done a fantastic job. He's got trophies. He's won like so. You know, look, they didn't. They weren't successful in Europe. But I'm telling you, people from the outside looking in, it's not that easy to, to just go in and you could yeah. say like, oh, do you know, do this train or do play this way or whatever. It's yeah. not that easy to just come up with a formation in your head. Sure you know, if, like, if it was everyone to be doing it, I suppose. Yeah. Like the the bad formations come out when you lose. Like yeah. you're you're a manager, you know, you always like no manager who's won the game got the formation wrong. Yeah. But every time you lose, it's you should have gone three at the back or you should have yeah. gone five up top or you know, all <laughs> them shouts come out like so Yeah. And I suppose just to finish up, we've kind of taken you know, all the way through and now looking forward, you have the fans TV, obviously you hope that grows, but where is your kind of priority in the next couple of years in terms of your football? Like, well, what would you want to achieve in the next, next couple of years? And where, where would you ideally kind of see yourself in terms of how you are progressing on now as a, as an off the pitch when you get on? Yeah. So again, like taking on the coach job, put myself under pressure, see what I've got. Uh, my, my attitude towards coaching is the same attitude I has had as a player. Mm. I want to get to the highest level I can. Mm. I wanted to play at the highest level. I got to where I got. And same with coaching there now. I, like, I want to get to the highest level I can. And look, I'm going to do everything I can to get there. If I get there, maybe we might be doing another podcast in another 25 <laughs> years. You never know. We might be doing it from Old Trafford. Or we might be doing it from, I don't know. Where's, where's the next <laughs> rock, rock <laughs> one dressing room? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, something Great, like that. Darren, thank you so much for joining us on uh, Rebel Yell. It's been an absolute pleasure and a, a pleasure to play under you as well. And um, honestly, heartfelt um, success, wishes for success in the future. And I hope the Cove thing goes really well. And I hope you drop into us from now and again in Riverstone and let us know what you're doing. All right. Well, cheers Great. for that. Thank you very Thanks. much. Cheers. cheers.